right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me? NBA Championship Series. Playoffs are done. All the things that you were doing just for practice, that was practice basketball. It's over. No more practice. My man, Allen Iverson, shout out. It's the real deal now. All the money, all the marbles, all the hopes and dreams, everything you plan for, everything you practice for, your whole life you wished and dreamed for. And LBJ, what is this? Eight in a row. He's doing it like that. Woo! So NBA championship. That's what it's all about right now. That's what matters to me. Uh, also matters to me, I got some good friends on the phone with me. Uh, I've been trying to get this one young man for a long time. Been doing a great job here on the network and uh, haven't had a chance to have him on the show with me yet. And that's uh, Mike Aberdeer. Mike, how you doing? You there? What is good, my man? How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. Also, also got on with us uh, my dear friend who joins me every week, uh, Willie Gibson. Willie, bring the Timmy from the OHIO out there. Willie, how you doing, man? Good, right? How about yourself? Oh, good, man. I know you and I are doing real well, and, uh, you know, Mike is in, you know, that other state that, you know, that's also hosting the championship. He's out there in California, so he and Cali enjoying life, you know, and and uh, and you back there in, in the OHIO, and I'm, I'm living vicariously through you uh, out there, Willie, so uh, I know both states are enjoying it, and, and the, certainly the passion for the for the opportunity is there. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, the series is more about just, uh, you know, LeBron. You know, it's about everybody, his entire team. I know he's catching a lot of flack for a lot of stuff he's been saying. Even Steph has joined in, and uh, Steph has put his own little twist to it. But, uh, uh, Mike, I, I, I want to start with you. Uh, you know, this is something, I guess, obviously for – for well, the folks out there in California, it's not a surprise, I do not believe, that Golden State is back in the championship series. Would I be correct in saying that? Not a surprise to you guys out there? Let me take it a step further. I don't think any of the NBA playoffs have been a surprise. I mean, before the series started, did anybody have anything besides, you know, Golden State against Cleveland at the very end? Maybe a few bought into the Rockets, but I mean, until Chris Paul and Harden show that they're not chokers, right, and that they could perform in the big stage or on the big stage, I mean, I don't think there was really a doubt. And from the East, I mean, Toronto wasn't a real threat. Boston had a nice little run there, but without Kyrie, they just didn't have enough firepower. So to answer your question, Golden State and Cleveland is kind of what we expected, and that kind of bothers me about the NBA a little bit, but maybe that's for uh, another topic. Yeah, well, you know, there's four years in a row, the same thing. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, you would hope that uh, that the, that the league would, would be a little bit more competitive and that you would not know, you know, at the beginning of the year, I guess those folks out in Vegas, whoever picked that this was going to be the championship series, they probably made some money Friday or, I mean, yesterday, after yesterday's game, uh, they certainly made a little bit of money, was able to cash in some chips. But I would say this, my, my personal perspective is that I'm not even going to say on paper, just in, in, in the hearts and minds of some people, they were hoping that Houston could challenge Golden State. Now, they were hoping that, but realistically, they, they, they thought, well, they're not going to challenge them. Certainly not to the point where it was going to be a seven-game series. I, I don't think any of those people out there that are betting people actually thought that it would take Golden State seven games to beat Houston. And then certainly the fact that 
Chris Paul didn't play in that seventh game, and that even that game was you know somewhat close to the point where, hey, you know, a couple shots here and there, and Houston could have won, but you know that's that's certainly for another day. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, but I, I think Houston gave it a good run for the money. I think Chris, if nothing else, what Chris Paul did for himself was prove that to to the to all those people out there that follow basketball that he is you know, deserving of being one of the best point guards ever, the way he played throughout the year. And the mere fact that, you know, he he was that, you know, that extra piece that they needed to at least get to the place where they could play for a championship of, of the Western Conference. And he, and he took them there. He took them there. He, he, he did what he came there to do, with the exception of they really came there to win a championship, but he got injured. He can't, you know, that part of it. You know, you can't you can't write that in you know in, in well, all well, the best scripts Ray, out Ray, there. Ray, Ray and Willie, can I give you guys a different uh, point of view? Sure, go right ahead. Okay. Well, first of all, everybody's making uh, a big deal about Chris Paul not playing in the in the final two games, but I think the bigger loss between the two teams was Andre Iguodala. If Iguodala's in there, I think Golden State wins in five pretty easily. You know, remember that first game where they came into Houston and, and silenced the crowd, blowout. I think it was a 22 point victory. Iguodala shut those guys down defensively. So I think he's the bigger omission between the two guys. Now, to what you're talking about with Chris Paul, I mean, how many years are we going to make an excuse for the guy? He's either hurt or flames out when it counts the most, right? Yeah, he's a great regular season player, but. Remember all those great teams? You're, that not, Doc you're, not calling, you're not calling Chris Payton Manning, are you? <laughs> well, I mean, look, you had a world championship coach in Doc Rivers. You had Blake Griffin playing at his peak and, uh, you know, a great supporting cast. Uh, never was able to, to get through with the Clippers. Every single year they're knocked out. I mean... I don't know, man. I think at some point in time, we just have to look at it and say, you know what? He just doesn't have what it takes to, to get there. Well, if you don't get there, then there's, there's something to be said. Willie, I'm going to let you chime in. Go right here. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Mike. Um, or to, to go to, back to an earlier point, I was one of the few, Mike, that picked Houston to beat Golden State. Not necessarily for what Houston had, but just the law of attrition. This is the fourth year in a row, and we began to see in that series little chinks in the armor here and there. You mentioned Iguodala uh, being out, and you know his status is unknown going into the finals. Uh, you mentioned uh, some other uh, chinks. Uh, Steph, for the first game and a half, for the most part, not nowhere to be found. And so those type things, you know, Durant struggled a little bit in that series. So I knew. With that, Houston had enough, I, I believe, to get over the hump. Had you no know, Chris Paul not get injured in, in the end of, at the end of Game Five, Houston's up three-two. They very well could have uh, sealed the deal. But last night, I mean, without him, even you know, Trevor Ariza over twelve, that's unheard of in a Game Seven. He has championship experience, so I won't necessarily put it all at the feet of Chris Paul. Yeah. You know, he hasn't gotten over the hump yet. The first time in, in 13 years he got to the conference final round. But I definitely thought that Houston would have enough to 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 end the, the, the run, the dynasty, if you will, of, of Golden State. And uh, and that's what is, you know, it's kind of building up to that. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to call them a dynasty yet. But, you know, what is this? This series in itself, Cleveland. 
versus Golden State. Was this four times in a row? Yes. Wow. I mean, and I'm trying to think going back in the day where, you know, who else went four times in a row against each other? Somebody, you know, I'm old enough to remember, but I can't remember that we have, you know, the same two teams going four times in a row. Somebody this is helped. it. This, this is it. This, this, <laughs> this is, is it. You know, no, not not even in the uh, Lakers Celtics heyday of the eighties. Right, exactly, that, that didn't no. happen. No, no. It, it didn't happen. You know, and so, uh, but you know, again, you know, you talk about the competition. You know, is it that these teams are that good, or is it the rest of the teams are that bad? Mike, you want you want to chime in on that one? I mean. Look, LeBron James is getting a lot of accolades for carrying this team on his back, deservingly so, right? But look who he beat. I mean, they beat the Indiana Pacers and, you know, Toronto Raptors. They didn't have to go through the up-and-coming 76ers. And they beat a Celtics team that really overachieved. Um, You know, it's kind of a day and age where somebody that's as physically talented as LeBron, that's got the mental tenacity, the will to win, Jordan-esque, if you will, you know, is going to rip through a league where, I don't know, you guys tell me, is the, league, is the NBA now allergic to two-pointers? <laughs> I mean, did, Well, that, that, that's something that I actually have in my notes to, to talk about a little bit later, but we can go ahead and talk about that now because certainly I made a comment and shared some thoughts with Willie prior to speaking with you that uh, I recall up to the time where they were about to make the voting – you know, that everybody's about to cast the votes as to the coach of the year. Brad Stevens was the best thing since the basketball was invented. He was the man. And, and how do you have a team that goes over 27 and you don't call a timeout and threaten to cancel everybody's contract and cut them all and, and send them some, you know, get rid of all of them if they don't drive the ball to the hole? How do you go over 27? And, and the coach don't make any adjustments to, to what, you know, taking the ball to the hole? Come on, man. Yeah, but I, if that's going to be grounds for firing, I think you're going to have to fire just about every coach in the NBA. Yeah. Nobody's going over 27. Nobody's going over 27. Houston did yesterday. Houston did last night. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, okay, but w- what I'm saying is that but Brad continued to let his team do that. You know, at, at some point in time, Houston did. Um, I, and I take that back. It was Houston went over 27. I got the numbers mixed up. Boston did not go over 27. But Boston continued to try to shoot the threes, and, and it, they weren't going down. So well, what time do you step up why, and be right? the coach? Here's why. Here's why. That's what got them to the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's what and you that, know. And that's where you talk about an all-around player. When that's all, only part of your game, you got to have a complete game. So you got to know when that ain't working, you got to take mm-hmm. it to the hole, get fouled, mm-hmm. get used to seeing the ball go through the net, and then come back to it. You, you know what? At this, you're right. But at the same time, if if I got to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, and this is what got me there, what what incentive do I have to change? It's a make or miss league. No, it, I mean, it, I, and it, I get that, and I've and I've seen that. But at the same time, you've seen people got complete games, Willie. They know when that's not working. It's like a it's like a pitcher when your when your best pitch ain't working. You got to have something else. If you ain't got something else, then you know you got a a game of which they, I mean they can take it away from you. They they can make you do something else. You know you don't you don't just if a three point ain't going down and something you don't even follow three point shooters. So you just let him keep shooting. If he ain't, if he cold that day, just let him keep shooting. Right, because right. shooters will shoot. Try to shoot their way back into the game. Mike, you 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 know it. You've seen it. You've talked to a couple guys who do that out there in California. It works for them, but when it doesn't, it could be a bad day at the office. No, you're absolutely right about that. And the other thing too is Golden State did a much better job in terms of creating points off of turnovers throughout the series. 
despite the fact that they turned over the ball quite a bit. I mean, Willie was talking about some chinks in the armor. And I think if, if you go back and look at the stats on a game-by-game basis, Golden State was turning over the ball quite a bit, yet they were still able, able to overcome it because of what you're talking about, Ray. They're not one-dimensional. Yeah. Right? So they, if it, in the days that, that, uh, that Steph ain't, ain't hot, there's somebody else there that could pick up the slack, right? There's many people. They've got depth. Even down to their bench, you know, they've got a strong bench and they know how to play well together. And Kerr's done a really good job in terms of bringing out everybody's best abilities and talents to come together as a team to really whoop up on the NBA. You know, I, I don't know if I could see even LeBron and his, you know, amazing skill sets and will and determination be able to win more than one or two games in this next series, guys. Okay, we're going to have to take a break, guys. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll take a break and be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me is it is time for the NBA Championship Series to start. I believe it's Thursday night. Uh, of all places, I'm going to be in one of the cities that I love and hate at the same time. I love them because I have family there. I hate it because, of course, uh, it's the home of, uh, I guess, America's team. So I will be in Dallas watching uh, that game. I got a nephew who's graduating from high school, the last one of this generation. 
my nephew Austin on my wife's side of the family. So give him a little shout out there. But uh, let's let's get back to, uh, of course, uh, I got Mike Abadir on with me and uh, Willie Gibson. So we were talking a little bit about some basketball. Let's get back to that. Um, I, I have something of which, as a former player, uh, I was thinking about, and, and I wanted to bring it to the airways in particular, these two gentlemen want to discuss it because I think they got great opinions, and I'd like to hear theirs and they can share with you. So, Mike, I, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, knowing that you work with athletes, uh, what do you think about the fact that the media, ooh, well, I guess so. we got to be included in that. We do have a microphone in the audience right now. But there are people <laughs> on what I call the big boy shows that they want to discuss the future of LeBron James at this point in time when he and his team, the city and fans, just, you know, realize the opportunity. They got a chance to play for another NBA championship. And they're already talking about where he may be playing next year. If there's anything as a professional, well, let, let's just call it uh, sportsmanship. Shouldn't there be a courtesy not to be talking about something like that at this point in time, Mike? You know, there's there's an oddity right now in all the sports, particularly basketball and football, NFL and NBA, where for some reason fans probably driven by the media are always looking ahead, way ahead Game three of the NFL season, teams already ta- uh, media is already talking about the Giants should be tanking it, so that way they could replace Eli Manning with Sam Darnold from USC, right? Uh, before the playoffs even start, before the season is even midway through, heck, before the NBA even season even started, we're talking about where LeBron is going to be next year, right? right? And it's kind of an oddity because I'm like, well. Why don't we enjoy the season at hand before we even start talking about 2019? I don't understand it. I think it is um, it, it is unprofessional. And I think it really puts each team through a trying time to have to stay together in the present rather than thinking the guy to my left or my right might be jumping ship anyways because I'm hearing something or reading something or being presented something or asked something relating to my teammate leaving. I mean, that can't be easy for any locker room to handle. I think only the strongest of teams can really withstand that type of pressure and scrutiny and rumors, et cetera. So I, I don't like it, Ray. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting that you say that because you always hear coaches and, and you even hear you know those talking heads at times talk about players not being a, a distraction. You know, Odell Beckham, I remember when they went down and did their little thing, that was a distraction to the team. You know, and here it is, you're talking about, you know, the most valuable player of your team, uh, perhaps maybe to some even the league, uh, you know, certainly one of the greatest players of all time, uh, leaving and, and knowing that that type of conversation has already affected that team earlier in this in their season because they lost their point guard there, there was there was talk about you know him going someplace else and he ultimately you know ended up someplace else so no I I, I certainly think in the locker room uh, that's just something else now for the, the Cavaliers to have to think about the question may somebody may be bold enough to ask guys on the team they certainly won't ask LeBron but I'm sure somebody's going to ask some other teammate uh, and I just think it's so you know it's unprofessional uh, I, I think it's unfair, um, and it's, it's certainly something those people don't want to talk about, but it's out there. 
<laughs> so since it's out there, you know, I, I certainly don't think if it happens, I, I'm going to say this. And, and then I'm going to ask uh, Willie to say so. I certainly think if it happens, if he leaves Willie, I don't think they'll be burning the jerseys like they did last time. Yeah, a couple of things. I, you, you asked, what do I think about it? I think it's par for the course. And I say that because, I mean, LeBron is the most polarizing figure in sports, if not one of the in the world today. So anything attached to his name is, is going to um, draw clicks. So, you know, whatever you guys are hearing in, in Arizona and California, here in Ohio, multiply that by 4,080 because everywhere you go in Ohio, in Cleveland most specifically, is where do you think LeBron's going to go? Where do you think LeBron's going to go? And for the media, that's what, they, that's what the media does. So, you know, I don't fault them for, you know. Now, what I will say is this. I understand the question, but when I hear flat out made up scenarios, that is, that is what I have the problem with. You can always speculate and wonder, but you know I've seen uh, today even. I mean, Houston was eliminated last night, and I saw a four step plan that Houston can use to get LeBron James to Houston. It's like, come on, guys. Let's. I mean, let's really be honest about it. But as far as the team goes. I think they're doing a great job as far as blocking out the white noise. I don't think anybody, any of the 15 in the locker room are, are concerned about it. You know, LeBron's the leader. They go as he goes. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, he said it before. And he continues to say it. He's not thinking about where he's going. And I, and I draw last weekend. He played, what, 94 minutes of basketball between Friday and Sunday. Won a conference title. Where does he have time to think about if I'm going to Philly next year? Am I going to the Lakers next year? Am I going to the Clippers? Maybe I'll go to Houston. He's not thinking about that stuff, but it, it's it's attractive for the media to discuss it and speculate because there's nothing. There's a short window this year between the finals. Finals starts Thursday, but in years past, there's been five days, seven days, nine days between the conference finals and the finals, and the media has to fill that time some way. So, you know, thankfully, there's a short window this year that the finals start pretty quickly after the conference finals. But, you know, it's going to happen regardless. Well, you know, I um, I, there's something else that I saw um, on one of the big boy shows and uh, it it surprised me. And I want to talk about that because I I really don't want to talk about that too much, because, again, I'm, I'm saying First of all, that I think is disrespectful for the team. So I don't want to contribute too much to that, but I certainly want to hear what you guys' opinion was, and I certainly appreciate them both. But I saw a piece with Isaiah Thomas making some comments about the comparison of LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And, and for me, I've always been like this. I've been that person that I've stood my ground and I felt that those comparisons should never be made by players of different generations and people shouldn't do that for the simple reason that these people were your idols. You know, these were people that you looked at, you marveled at, that you hoped and dreamed and wished and prayed that one day you could become what they were. And then for somebody to put you in a position where, you know, you're supposed to speak about your talent or people are going to talk about your talent compared to that person's talent and, and I, I just think that it's, it, it, it hurts. It should hurt. It's like, I, I don't want to go there. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, and one thing that I liked the other day when I saw, and I think it was uh, the young fella from, um, from, from, from the Celtics, 
who, who talked about how, you know, he, man, he, he was trying to get LeBron to follow him on Instagram. He went to LeBron's camps, you know, and things of that nature. So when Isaiah, I, didn't, I thought Isaiah would run from the question. I didn't think he would really go there and compare Michael and LeBron and then come out with the answer that LeBron is a much greater player than MJ was. And, and to say that much, you know, or, or greater you know, then MJ, ooh, that just, you know, and, and, and he prefaced it by he wanted the people to know that, hey, he, he holds no grudges against Michael Jordan. Michael, you know, treated his son very, you know, very well, you know. Uh, you know, you can imagine a young kid, you know, getting a chance to spend some quality time with Michael Jordan. You know, wow, that was like, you know, the biggest thing that ever happened to him. And I'm sure Isaiah appreciated the way he, he said he appreciated the way Michael treated his son. So, um Mike, let me ask you, what do you think? I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, because there's another thing I want to point out. Just the other day, they just reported that LeBron, I think, needs 71 points to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as, you know, the second, scoring the second most points in NBA history in the playoffs. But comparing those two stats together, what does that do? That doesn't do anything except on paper and for conversations. But it doesn't change. I mean, okay, so... Who's the best scorer and when are they scoring all that? You know, you, you don't know that. It doesn't really do anything to try, try to make the comparison. It's just the numbers are what they are. Once you exceed that, then in history, you are you have this place in history. But the comparison of the talents and to actually, you know, in an affirmative way, say that this person is the greatest or was the greatest or will be. I'm not sure. But, but Mike, how, how do you feel about those comparisons of who's the GOAT? Well, first of all, it, it, the interesting thing to me is that Usually when you talk about uh, players from the past, you know, whether it be Isaiah Thomas or even like a Charles Barkley or, or Scottie Pippen or, or one of those types, they're usually really critical about today's game and about today's player and that today's guys have it easier and it's a scoring league and this and that and there's no defense anymore and there's no jump shooting and so on and so forth. So usually they side clearly with the players from yesteryear. So a little bit surprising that we're hearing – Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, take a stand uh, on the side of the modern day player in LeBron really quickly with respect to the statistics that you're talking about stats to me in basketball don't have the same meaning as they do in baseball, for example. And I think one of the reasons for that is it's very hard to measure things in basketball and to quantify them in a, in a logical manner, because you're talking about, let's say, scoring average uh, and then total points scored. Hey, Mike, I'm going to ask you, to, Mike, sorry about that. I'm going to ask you to hold on for a second. I should have sent you a, a little message there. We're going to go on break, but we have to take a break, and then we're going to come back. But stay right there, Mike, and we'll pick it up okay, on sure. the other side of break. You're listening to Ray sure Sports on the Voice America Network. And Finney's Living Like It Matters. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports from the Tobacco Network. I'm in Phoenix, so living like it matters. What matters to me? NBA Championship Series. We get we get excited here in this country, United States of America, and because this is a global platform, people could be listening all over the world. But we want you to know, and I'm sure you do. We get excited mm, about eight times of the year. It's when our baseball, basketball, football, and hockey have championship series. And you got them at pros and you got them at college. And it's that time in the NBA where it's time to get back to business. So uh, speaking of get back to business, I'm going to let Mike pick back up on his comment he was making before we went to break. And so go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so when you're talking about stats in basketball in particular versus baseball, the thing that kind of gets me is let's say let's take Michael Jordan. Let's say the Bulls were up by 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 20, um, and and Jordan comes out of the game, you know, with with five minutes to go in the in the game, you know, he's he's not pushing his scoring totals, he's not worried about his scoring averages. But when you're talking about averages, that hurts, right? That hurts your scoring average when you're not playing, when you play a half or something like that. So, when you're talking about total points scored, you know, uh, you could look at maybe like Vince Carter or somebody with like great longevity can put up a lot of total points scored, but what does that really mean? You know, how many shots were you taking? What's your percentage of, of, of shots made? Uh, when were they made? You know, uh, was it in crunch time? Was it in garbage time? You know, there's so many things that go into it. And I know baseball has done a really good job into like taking a deeper dive into what all the stats mean. And they now have all these ad- advanced, you know, analytics and, and metrics for, for what the numbers really mean. Basketball, you know, I'm sure they have some level of that, but it hasn't really filtered down to, to a digestible level, at least for somebody like myself. So it's kind of hard to necessarily celebrate some of those things, whereas, you know, you, you, you hit 400 in baseball or, or you break a home run total or a stolen base total. You know, it's a little bit more clear cut, but I don't know. That's kind of my thought on it is I don't know what all those numbers really mean in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, about baseball. And I just thought about just just now as you as you were speaking, Mike, baseball is one of the few sports that you play in football. 
And basketball, you know, you see how they kind of let the clock run out for the last few seconds or whatever. I mean, it's actually, you know, times where there's a few seconds that don't really mean anything. So the game is over. It's been decided. That's what it is. But in baseball, you know, that last pitch, that last pitch that that, that pitcher's throwing, it may be 100 miles an hour. You may fly out or you may strike out, but he's going to give you 100 miles an hour. He's going to give you his best on his first pitch and on his last pitch. You know, and, and, and going back to some of the other things you mentioned, too, about, you know, uh, basketball and some of the statistics, you know, a lot of it, like, we look at guys like when Will Chamberlain played. I, you know, I remember I was a kid when, 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 when Will played sometimes. But, you know, Will, you know, Will wasn't going up against, you know, consistently talent, I would say, like there is today. You know, where, you know, back then, you know, if there was a, you know, six seven six eight guy, you know, seven foot, seven two on the court. There was a few of them. Now everybody's, you know, six eight, six nine. You know, that's nothing. You know, Kevin Durant, seven foot. How many seven foot guards has there ever been? I don't know. I, I think he may be the first one ever. Certainly in this league, doing anything like he's doing. You know, and so him throwing down, you know, the amount of points he's throwing down now. You know, what does that mean as, as, as a point guard? I mean, you got to read all into that. He's a seven-foot point guard, so there's more to it. There's more to that whole dynamic about him being a point guard, first of all, seven-foot, because the other guys at seven-foot couldn't even dribble. You know, so he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got more steals than those guys, other seven-footers, because they're down under the bucket. They're not stealing the ball. They're not leading fast breaks, so they're not, doing, they're not assists. They don't, they don't have the assists nowhere like he does. Maybe they, you know, you dump it into him, they go, you know, kick it back out. You know, somebody's in those kind of shots. But, you know, stats, I, I just think the stats sometimes, uh, you may be able to draw some conclusion from them, but to say that, you know, one player was a better player based totally on statistics, I don't know about that. You know, I, that I disagree. I, I, dis- I, you, I can jump in real oh, quick. Oh, yeah, right? you, so you would take the stats along and say that one player is better than the other because of his stats alone? And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. As, as far as the, the discussion between, uh, as far as who's better between Mike and LeBron, Le- Mike and LeBron, the, the, the Jordan apologist, the very first thing they say is, well, Jordan has six rings. And my retort to that is, well, Scotty has six rings. So you're telling me Michael's six rings are more valuable than Scotty's six rings? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Mike was a great player, don't get me wrong. But I think the, the argument of Mike is better because he has six rings is 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 weak it, it, to me because like I said Scotty has six as well and as far as stats I think stats do tell a story I mean I mean LeBron's the only player in NBA history with thirty thousand points eight thousand rebounds eight thousand assists at six eight you know he's not seven one like Wilt where everybody else was six five averaging fifty points a game I mean those stats are you know what in the history of the game no one else has that stat line. So I think that goes a long way as far as determining his greatness. I mean, everything else he's done, he's led his team in points and assists every year of his career for 15 straight years, whether it was in Miami, whether it was in Cleveland. LeBron James has led his team in points and assists. So I, I definitely feel that, that stats, and as far as baseball goes, I, to me, honestly, as, a, as a, you know, a basketball, football guy, baseball stats, I understand them. But I think they can be manipulative as well. I mean, I remember. Well, well baseball well, stats are, and have to be in a category all by themselves for the simple reason. Well, along with hockey, right. because yeah. the pitcher don't the pitcher ain't hitting. You know, once they change it to designated hitters, pitchers ain't batting. You know, well, so I can go even hit it. 
let's let's go ahead. Like we four hundred. I, I I remember what was it forty one when the last time somebody hit four hundred. Uh, Joe, uh, I'm sorry, Ted Williams hit four oh six. The last game of the season was a doubleheader, and his manager wanted him to sit out, like protect that four oh one average. You, you're going to hit four hundred. Let's sit out. He said, "Nope, I'm playing." And he hit, he ended up going it's like six for eight, and in the last two games of the season ended up at like four oh six. But that happens all the time in baseball. You know, you're four one. Let's sit out. Day game after a night game. Let's sit out. You know, they protect stats a lot in baseball. So. To say they matter in baseball, but they don't matter as much in basketball, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I, well, but here's the thing, Willie. I don't think we said me, that. Go ahead, no, Mike. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you this, Willie. So, and, and by the way, I'm a big LeBron James fan in terms of really appreciating what he's done as an individual, as a team player, the accomplishments he's made, the number of finals he's gone to, whether he's won or lost. Remarkable. Uh, and I and I, I don't have anything but respect for him. But when you're talking about some of the stats that you, you mentioned, and by all means, they are lofty. The points scored and, and the, the rebounds and the assists and, and all those numbers you just cited. But let me ask you this. Could Magic Johnson have accomplished the same thing on the Lakers? If everything went through him, he probably could have. But the thing was, he was surrounded by so much talent, it was almost diluted. It, was, it would be impossible for somebody on that Lakers team to be able to do that. But I guess as great as he is, I think kind of – and maybe, maybe this supports his greatness. He hasn't been on great teams where anybody else can carry that kind of load. So everything does go through LeBron, allowing him to get those stats. So maybe what I just said is the biggest compliment I could give him. But at the same time, from a statistical perspective, had he been on the Lakers in the 80s, would he have accomplished the same thing? Absolutely no way. Really, too, too I, I, much, I too much know. talent around him. Too many people that need that that would you you would you would have a better team success if the ball is going you know to Magic, to Kareem, to Byron Scott, to you know so on and so forth. Michael so Cooper. How, so how do we quantify Miami with D Wade, Chris Bosh, Shane Battier, Mario Chalmers? That I mean that that's you know if comparable talent, I would say. And Miami, the four years he was there, and yet he led them in points and assists every year. I think the, I think those Heat teams would have been run out of the building by the the Lakers or the Celtics ah. of the eighties. Run out of the building. They had no depth. Their okay. big three was really good, but beyond that, I didn't see any depth on those teams. I don't know. What do you think, Ray? Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, certainly, I, I think the uh, the Laker team was something special. I've always Showtime has always been special to me. Uh, I, I like the Miami team that LeBron played against. I think those two starting fives, that would have been, again, that that would have been one of those games where, you know, we're creating this, you know, fantasy league, and real fantasy league, and they've been a great series to watch those two play against each other. Um, but I, I, I'm really not, I'm really stuck with that one. That, that, that's a good one. But I, I do believe this. I believe that uh, LeBron's game is such that he does like to get everybody involved uh, and and I do think that, you know, when, when he does that, it, it, it certainly helps, you know, in the success of the team. Uh, when he doesn't do that, because there's been times where, you know, just recently they start talking about the the dribble count in basketball. You know, there's been times where you know Bron has been playing ball like Charles Barkley, you know, dribble, dribble, dribble. You know, and they haven't been so productive. Uh, Magic was always looking to get everybody involved. 
and uh, I think Magic could have scored and 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 been a, a you know scored many more points than he did. But I think he chose to to share the ball. I think that was his role. That was what he's brought in there for, and he you know and he played it. But Magic also is one of those guys. Again, the entire we we know what he had to do against the Sixers and win that championship. So. You know, he could adjust his game. So if he needed to go down in the box and score or, or, or play center, whatever, you know, he could do that. So uh, and that's why a lot of times guys, I just don't really like, like I said, about the whole, you know, comparing each other to, you know, this player to that player. I think just like we as older men today, middle aged men today, you know, you know, people look at the millennials and they talk. We talk about the millennials, but that's a, that, that's our offspring. We created that. So the basketball that exists today, what LeBron James is, Magic and Michael and them, they created that. that you know, he, he was trying to emulate their parts of their game, you know, and then bring it all into one. That's him. That's them right there. That's him. That's them. So uh, that, that's what the exciting part for me is. You know, I, I can never be critical. You know, I'm, I'm just so supportive and I'm just glad to see it getting better and better and better and better. You know, it's like, oh, well, suppose at one time there was a dude that was seven foot and he could dribble, you know, and he had a jump shot and you got Kevin Durant. You know, suppose there was a dude that, you know, you could be trying to pull him down on his shoulders on the layup and you can go 10 and the ball would still go in. That's LeBron James. <laughs> you know what we that concussion that we, you know, mixed everything up with, psh, you know, here's the result of what are we seeing today. You know, we got that. So uh, I'm just I'm just happy that that you got a person that like LeBron, you know, who is humble enough to say that, hey, you know, this is a team. This this is this sport is about a team. LeBron does not go out and play, you know, one man on that court, number 23 against five other dudes. You know, he got 15 dudes on that team, I believe, like 15 or 18 on that team. And uh, even in practice, you know, they got a shout out to Allen again. I always got to do it. Those dudes in practice help make him better. Man, I, I, it's just hard. <laughs> it, it's hard, but it, it's good to see that the talent is such that uh, there is guys that played before that could play today. You know, and that's something that, you know, I certainly would want to, you know, maybe talk about that a couple minutes on the other side of the break. We got to take a break and then we'll come back and listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. And then Phoenix Living Like It Matters. What matters to me, NBA Championship Series. And I'm just going to go all the way out, the homer that I am. It really matters to me that the Cleveland Cavaliers win the championship series. I don't care what anybody says. That's why you play the game. <laughs> it ain't over till it's over. And uh, never count on a team that's got LeBron James on it. That's me. And so we will see. You know, we were talking about a lot of things. We're talking about numbers. We're talking about stats. We're talking about rings. We're talking about ships. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting, one thing I want to say about, um, you know, because people always comparing people. Stats to me and numbers to me, you know, just are, they're just part of history. That, 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 that's all I think they're good for is, is where your place in history will show. Because a name that we all, the three of us, brought up off air was Big Shot Rob. Big Shot Rob, I think he's got as many rings as anybody. Am I right about that, Willie? He got seven, you say? Well, yeah, seven. Well, Bill Russell has 11. Oh, okay, well, Bill, yeah, Bill part. from a different right. generation, completely right. different right. generation. And, and that, right. that, that's never going to happen. What happened with, and again, from my perspective, what I believe is just like there was conversation about, okay, on the East, the road of which LeBron traveled, you know, what did he have to conquer this year? Okay, I would go back and look at Bill Russell, and I would say, you know, okay, well, look what he had to conquer. You know, what was that about back then at that time? You know, is, you know, he was just light years ahead of everybody in terms of his talent, and the competition wasn't maybe the same, you know, and but but as time has gone over, gone on, I think things have changed. I think there's greater competition. But at the same time, uh, because there's greater competition, still you compete against the team that you play against. And that's why I think that's where the stats come into play, because I do think that the stats, this is my personal opinion, the stats, you know, are a direct indication of the performance because you you don't get you can't get points on the books if you didn't put the ball in the basket. You can't get block shots on the books if you didn't block a shot. You know. Um, so other than that, it's just telling the story. Because I, I would have loved like I, I have this thing about Earl Campbell and Jim Brown. Willie, I'm sorry, but I'm taking Earl Campbell. You know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking wow. I'm taking Earl Campbell because Earl played against some dudes big as big as he was. You know, and linebackers and in the secondary that was coming up that was laying wood. There were some people that was laying wood in gym, but they weren't laying it like they was laying it with Earl. You know, that's that's just me. That's that's my take. Uh, I probably got way well, off. Well, while we're talking about running backs that had, uh, you know, relatively short careers, I'll take Bo Jackson. You take Bo Jackson over Gale, say, I mean, over Jim, uh, Jim Brown? I'll take Bo Jackson over anybody. Mm. Uh, here's the only mm. thing I, I would say about Bo. I I love Bo. I I love Bo, but I think Earl just had a little something extra with his with with his game. That that Bo Bo was more of a straight line dude. Bo was fast as hell. You're not catching Bo, and and if Bo gets some steam come up. You meet him in the hole. You know you're gonna wish you hadn't. Um, but that's Brian Bosworth. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. Uh, and 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 I, I just think that uh, Earl had a little bit of shake to his game, you know, and uh, which made him, you know, kind of smooth, you know, and, and 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 big and fast and strong and had a nasty stiff arm and all that. And and Bo was just more of a straight line dude to me, man. It wasn't nothing fancy about Bo. Was, Give me the ball and let me go. Boom. He didn't need anything else. I mean, he was the fastest player in the NFL and the fastest player in the major leagues. 
And at his size? Are you kidding me? Wait, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Yeah, let me ask you. But I, I wanted to stop. That's why I wanted to stop you at. Because I think Prime was a little bit faster, just a fraction of a second. But I think Prime might have been faster than Bo. Yeah. Even if it's a fraction. I mean, uh, that size? Oh, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you. But, um, yeah, we want to give Prime his due. Because, you know, Prime, oh, yeah. Prime wouldn't like that. <laughs> he, <laughs> right, he certainly right. wouldn't like that, man. He wouldn't give it up. But, uh, okay, guys, listen, I, I, there's a couple other things that, uh, you know, since I had you guys on, I, I certainly wanted to get a chance to ask you guys a couple questions there. And I, what I wanted was I wanted to talk about Brad Stevens because yep. we, we just, I threw that out there a little bit, the little nugget. And, of course, Brad's team didn't go over 27, but Brad's team shot poorly. And I, I thought that the Celtics, uh, the criticism, a lot of it was dealt towards the players and their inexperience and, and the way they handled the last few minutes of the game. And I thought that had to also fall on the shoulders of the coach. Sure. But, but nobody talked about the fact that Brad Stevens got out coached down the line. And, and nobody, I heard a little bit about Ty Lue, but, you know, people aren't really giving Ty Lue his credit either because, you know, not only is LeBron playing with guys that – for some reason, people all of a sudden now, these guys are, you know, sisters of the poor and they're the worst basketball players on earth when all throughout the season, the NBA players have always been called the best basketball players on earth. But uh -huh. LeBron somehow ended up with the worst, you know, 14, you know, teammates. Uh, but uh, I, I think Ty Lue deserves some credit in the coaching job that he's doing. He's, he's doing and he's done. Uh, and then I think there's some criticism that should be going over towards Brad Simmons because, again, uh, although he didn't get it, he didn't even get a vote. You know, people thought he was the best thing since sliced bread, and but his Celtics lost. And you're, uh, you're right. Go ahead, oh, Willie. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you're Willie. right, Ray. But the thing about it is what you just said. For anybody to criticize Brad Stevens for Game Seven, that means you got to give Ty Lue credit, and that's not going to happen. No matter what, Ty Lue is the most criticized coach. I would venture to say in NBA history. And it's all because of number 23. Because he has LeBron. And I, I had this conversation, again, being in Ohio, I have this conversation all the time. And to me, it's asinine that when the Cavs win, it's because of LeBron. But when the Cavs lose, oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's Ty Lue. Ty Lue has to go. If the, if the Cavs go down 10, Ty Lue has to go. If they come back and win by 14, oh, it's because of LeBron. And it's like, you got to be kidding me, man. This guy gets no credit. So to kind of go back to the original point, to give Brad Stevens criticism for Game 7 is meaning you have to give Ty Lue credit. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, he's doing a phenomenal job considering the circumstances. Like you said, they blew up the team in January. They traded half their team in February. And he has that team in the, in the NBA Finals. And I, and, I, and I think, you know, and to touch base on that a little bit, and Mike, you know a little bit about this when it comes to a coach. You know, a coach has to deal the hand that he, you know, he has to play with the hand he's dealt. You know, he, he's not the GM of the team. So, in other words, these, these personnel decisions that are being made, he may have some input, but he doesn't have final input on that. Would I be correct in saying that from, uh, from your perspective and your experience, Mike? Yeah, I think it depends on the team. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, with, and the he doesn't have, but he doesn't have that title of the GM. I'm pretty sure of that, right? He's just the head coach, right? Y yeah, you know, you know, like like with the Clippers, like Doc Rivers here uh, in yeah, LA. Yeah, Doc has you know, them both. Had, right. Yeah, he's had his hand on on a lot of the roster moves, and that's why he's kind of subjected himself to the criticism. It's like, hey, man, you built the team you wanted, now you can't win with them. Don't complain about it. Right. Ty Lue, I think he's very underrated. Uh, I don't know. If he's the most uh, criticized of all time, obviously you, you hear more about that Willie being a, a local 
um, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, over here on the West Coast, uh, I will say he's underrated. Doesn't definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves. I know the question initially was regarding Brad Stevens. I love Brad Stevens. I think he's done a fantastic job, be- mainly because he's taken a team that really, once Kyrie was out, you know, really didn't belong one you know one quarter away from getting to the finals, or you know, one game away from getting to the finals. So remarkable job that he has done. There's not a team out there where you lose your best player and you get to the conference finals. I'm sorry. There, there just isn't that. So I think he's done a great job overall. But Ty Lue has done, done something in Cleveland that all his predecessors weren't able to do, which is to win a championship, right? So, <laughs> you know, you've had Mike Brown and, and, and Blatt immediately before uh, midseason switch, you know, and it kind of takes me back to, you know, how much are, you know, coaching changes responsible for a team going to the next level? It's kind of an interesting conversation, and maybe one of these days we could all kind of have this barbershop conversation and talk about it. But when you look at like Doug, Doug Collins being replaced by Phil Jackson, right, or Phil Jackson replacing Del Harris with the Lakers, or even more recently, Kerr replacing Mark Jackson. Yes. Now, are you telling me that Mark Jackson, if he had that team for one more year, that the Warriors were not going to keep developing and get to the finals? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think Mark Jackson did a great job. So all this coaching stuff is really, really interesting kind of stuff, but it's probably over my pay grade. Yeah, well, I I, uh, I certainly wanted to at least address it from some aspect because, I, I you know, I'm a Ty Lue fan, and I just wanted to give him a little credit if we could here on this show. But, guys, listen, time has gone so fast. It's that time for us to end this show. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, those of you out there listening, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and we got to go, so I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.